quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. This episode is sponsored by Byheart. Byheart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their formula includes the most abundant protein, alpha-lac, found in breast milk, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. Byheart is an easy-to-digest formula, which includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. Byheart is the only U.S.-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients, including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast. Use code PEACE for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. I'm Michelle, recovering yeller, control freak, and perfectionist. I didn't want to be a connected parent, but my strong and smart oldest daughter would not succumb to my bribes, threats, and manipulations. After years of control parenting, I threw it all out and started over. I doubled down on the idea of connective parenting and turned in time out for time in. It's taken me years to figure out how to unknot sticky situations without using punishments, but I've finally cracked the code and now I can help you create the relationship with your child that you dreamt of having when you first decided to become a parent. It's not easy letting go of star charts and bribes, but you can change. Listen in as we interview parents just like us who found success and hear from experts who will help us better understand how to form a deep bond with our children. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle and I have another lovely guest, Blimi, who comes from Unconditional Parenting on Instagram and I love her posts and I was so drawn to her work that I said, please, please, please come on my podcast and she obliged. So Welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Ah, thank you so much for having me. And I honestly feel the same about your posts. I really am drawn to them as well. And I love the work that you do. So I'm a parenting coach and educator. I'm really passionate about treating children with respect and helping parents and children build a relationship built on respect and trust. I really find that's extremely important. And the parent-child relationship is something that is, I think, it can change our, has our world the way it is today. So yeah, this is what I do. And I love what I do. And I share this information with parents in whichever way I can. And one of them is through Instagram. Amazing. Yes. Instagram's like a wealth of information these days. There are so many great people out there. And I feel like it's nice to find your tribe, you know, and to be able to collaborate and all of that. So this is great. Definitely. Yes. Today, we are going to talk about how to not give your kids too much advice how to let them come to their own devices and how do we do that? And what does it look like? And what does it feel like? And so we're just going to dive into this whole idea of not giving our kids too much advice and why maybe that's an important thing for them to learn and to grow into as they get older. Blimi, I'm going to have you start us off. What are your initial thoughts on this whole idea? Yes. One of the biggest ones that comes to mind whenever I hear right away when you introduce this topic is this idea Allowing our children to really come to their own realizations. And by uh, and our job, our role in that is to basically be a reflective listener, right? 
rather than jumping in with, you know, our child comes to us and says like, oh, nobody in the classes, whatever, or something, whatever it is going on for them. And right away as parents, our instinct is to be like, I'm older, I'm wiser. I've been through this too. I have so much advice to give to my child. Like can help them navigate this. And we also want to save them sometimes. We just want to help them. It all coming from a good place. And we'll be like, well, you know what you can do, right? And the thing is that, first of all, I think your children sometimes don't even want to hear our advice. They're just like, and I also really believe that children have the resources within themselves to figure it out. And what they really need is a sounding board. Somebody who they can, first of all, just listen to them and be like, oh, wow. And we're, you know, hold space for what they're going through. And then to sort of ask more kind of reflective questions or, oh, so what does that mean for you? Or is there something that you want to do about it? Or that kind of thing. And really let the child sort of figure it out with you just being there as a sounding board. Yeah. Kind of as somebody who I find that that's so, so, so powerful because then it's coming from within the child. Yeah. And the child is basically gaining so much confidence in the fact that like, oh, I actually know how to deal with this. Not that like I constantly have to go to my parents to help me with this. And it gives them that life skill. Yeah. And I really believe that that's mostly our role as a parent. Yeah. I love how you talked about it's almost like they don't want to have our advice, even though they're saying all this stuff, bad stuff is happening to me at school. And I've had this experience myself with my younger daughter. She came to me once and said, this little girl at school is so mean to me and she's so unkind. And I immediately got mama bear and I was like, oh, no, no, we're going to put an end to this because I don't want my kids to struggle, you know, and I think that's where it comes from. We don't really want our kids to struggle. But I think what she was looking for really was empathy and that she just wanted to lament. And I feel like that is so validating for a child. And that's something I never got as a child is when someone can say to you, oh man, that really sucks that she's being mean to you. Must feel really bad. What does it feel like, Pia? And really digging in deeply with that empathy piece, like, wow, it must be hard to play on the playground with somebody who's so unkind. I can yeah. see how you'd really be upset. I'm yeah. so sorry this is happening to you. And that when we can come with that, now Pia can say to herself, okay, someone sees me. Someone sees my struggle. Now maybe I can figure this out because I've been validated that it is an actual struggle. Now I know it's a struggle in my heart and I know it's a struggle because someone, an adult validated me. Maybe I can figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, I find that so often with anything in life. My children, something gets ruined that they just created. And so many times I'll hear other parents, and I definitely have done this many times as well, where they'll just be like, oh, we can make a new one. Or how about you fix it over there and do that over there? And the child's just like, no. And they're just like, well, I'm trying to help you. Why are you not responding well to this? Yeah. You know, and I found that when I just, like you said, empathy, oh my gosh, that sucks. You worked so hard on that. And it, Keep going. So, and then I find that the children really, most of the time, they figure it out themselves afterwards. Yeah. They want to fix it themselves. Or they go and they say like, you know what? It's fine. I don't need that anymore. I actually have a story. I was one, this is a few years ago. I was at the park with my children and my daughter wanted to do the monkey bars. She actually still does. And a bunch of kids were using it so she couldn't get to it. So she came crying to me and my husband. I can't get on the monkey bars. Everybody's blocking me. Right. And she's having a really hard time. And all I did, I was simply was like, oh my gosh, all the kids are blocking it and you can't get on and you really want to be able to do this. She just stood there and sort of absorbed that. And then it took like not even like a minute and she ran off and went on the slide. 
right? So rather than be like, why don't you go down the slide? That's what most parents would do. Go on the slide or ask them to move or why don't you, right? And instead of doing that, I simply just reflected what was happening to her, held space for empathize really, offered her empathy. And then she figured it out herself. Well, I think when we go straight to fix, we're saying you don't have a right to feel that way or you shouldn't feel that way because I'm going to fix it for you. And then now I want your feelings to go away because they're too much for me. <laughs> like, so here, let me give you the fix and kids can feel that. So they're thinking, wait, I just want to have my feelings. I don't want somebody to negate it. And I think also when we give too much advice, we're telling them, I don't believe that you are smart enough. Yeah, I don't trust you to be able yeah. to figure this out yourself. Yeah. And our sometimes I think our advice too, because I remember in this that incident with Pia, I wanted to say, tell that kid you're not playing with her anymore. But Pia wasn't there yet developmentally. She couldn't say, I don't want to play with you anymore because she wasn't assertive enough in second grade to do that. And she hadn't found her voice yet. So if I would have said, Pia, go tell her that you don't want to play with her anymore. And then Pia couldn't do that then she's not going to come home and share with me anymore right now. I've cut off this communication because I've given her this advice that she can't follow. And now she feels like she's disappointing me because she's gone to school and can't follow out my advice. And then she's not going to report back to me like, oh yeah, mom, I didn't do it because she feels badly. And so now we have no communication around the issue because I've intervened with my advice. Right. Wow. That's such a good point. You're so right. And it's almost like maybe she didn't even feel ashamed of herself. Like, how come I can't follow my mother's amazing advice? Yeah, because your mother's 45. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, something wrong with me. And you're so right, though, about at certain ages, children are just not developmentally there. You know, we're like, just get up for yourself. But they're not really able to do that. Yeah. It requires a lot of skill and confidence and growth and maturity. I think there is some space for advice. Like I was thinking about this earlier when I was thinking about the, uh, this whole topic and I was thinking, wait, I was thinking to my head, when do I want advice? Let's take the kids totally out of it. And then I was thinking another thing, like what about a wife and husband or a partnership sort of situation? Do you want your partner giving you advice on all of the things in your life? No. And when they do, you're like, no, I don't want to be controlled by you. I don't want you to be the omniscient person who knows everything. And you're somehow telling somebody else, I'm smarter than you. It almost is a hierarchy like, oh, here, let me give you my advice because I'm smarter than you. And when we think about it in an adult relationship, it makes sense, right? You wouldn't do that to your partner all the time, giving them advice all the time because they'd be like, they'd feel bad about themselves after a while. But when we think of the children, we don't have that mindset. We think that they are not competent enough and do not have the skills. And so we feel like it's our job to instill everything in them because they're not smart. But I think internally, our bodies and our nature and everything has been programmed to help ourselves in our situations developmentally, wherever we're ready. Yeah, exactly. We have the resources within, like we have these skills, problem solving skills, and we can figure it out. And the more we let our children actually do that for themselves, the more they develop that skill. Yeah, but you were saying something about, and I want to hear the your show. Oh, yeah. There is room for advice. Yeah. Well, what if I was going to step in dog poo, right? You know, you're walking down the street, like, watch out, you step over here, like that kind of advice. I will entertain that. Please give it to me. And so I think there's a tiny bit of room. Now, don't take me saying that as like, okay, advice is fine now. No, but there's a tiny bit of room for like saving someone from stepping in dog poo 
or falling on their face or something like that. Right. So extreme situations, I think like safety, right? When there's danger, I think then you can definitely step in and be like, you know, that's dangerous. Or like you said, like that's really gross. Or like my child wouldn't want that to happen to them either. And I also think it's okay. Like let's say once we empathize with our child, right? And they're still really struggling or whatever. I really appreciate the reflecting much more. Like, what do you want to do about this? What do you think about this? I like that a lot more. But I think it doesn't hurt to ask, would you want my advice? Right? So we can ask them. I find that if someone asks me as an adult, right? I'm venting to them and they say, do you just want me to listen or do you want to hear advice? Yeah. Right? I really appreciate that because then I elect to hear that advice. And I'm like, yes, actually, can you share all your... Because I mean, I really do want advice. Yeah. I don't just want someone to listen. Sometimes I'm like, I actually want to hear what knowledge and information you have around this topic. Yeah. I've gotten sucked in a couple of times with my oldest who said like, what should I do? And then I tell her and she's like, well, I'm not doing that. And I'm like, oopsie. Okay. This was a trap. I didn't realize I was was falling into. Okay. Because I think. Ooh, I like that. Yes. Oracle for her. Like, what should I do? And then I say, well, what do you think you should do? Yes. Right. And I like that so much better. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do you think you should do? Well, we've got options, right? What are our options? What do you think your options are? You could yes. do Z, you could do, she's older, you know, you could do Y, you could do this. And sometimes even when I go to problem solving with her, she just wanted to be empathized with. So it's, mm-hmm. you really have to read your kid, right? And the situation yes. and the age and the stage and all that. And I've fallen down the rabbit hole of, of problem solving with her when she hadn't processed yet. Yes, that's huge. Can we pause on that for a moment? Yeah. I think that this is huge because I often talk about problem solving with kids. And then so many parents come back to me and they say, my child doesn't want to have any options that we problem solve. And I said, because they're still stuck in their emotions. They need to first process that. Like that, that has to happen first. If your child's resisting, it's a clear sign that they have not yet been like processed the emotions. They have not yet been validated. They have not yet, yeah. haven't moved past that. Yeah. I almost right? stay away from problem solving altogether now. I've found that they really do and can figure it out. And that, yeah. like you said, they need to list the sounding board more than anything. I agree with you. Yeah. I find that they usually figure it out themselves. Afterwards. They do. For instance, Esme had this whole thing with community service. She had to do 25 hours of community service as a freshman in high school. And we're in a pandemic. And it's like, how do you do community service? And of course she came to me and she's like, I only have three weeks left to do my community service. Just like freaking out. And I was like, I'm so sorry. This is really hard. Oh, that's all you're going to say. I'm so sorry. This is really hard. That's what you always say. And it wasn't that I said the wrong thing. It's that she needed to get mad. She needed to be mad about the community service. She needed to be upset about it, but I let her be mad at me. You're not helping. This is not, how am I going to get this done? You need to help me. You need to figure out how I'm going to do community service. And I was just like, I I understand this is hard. I know I'm right here. I'm listening to you. And this was for three days. Wow. Three days of her lamenting, 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 and me taking the brunt of it, the brunt of it. And I was like, I am not falling for this this time. I am not going to figure out how to do her community service. I am not going to give her options. I am not going to problem solve. I am not doing it. I'm not falling for her, her antics, you know? And so three days and then three days later, she's like, I'm going to write letters to soldiers. And I was like, well, that sounds like a great idea. Two weeks later, all done. Wow. Yeah. I love what you said about her needing to get upset. That really resonates. Cause I remember even as a child, myself as a teenager or a child, 
going to my mother and just wanting to be mad at her because I was just mad about everything and just wanted her to hold space for that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I remember sometimes she did it, sometimes she didn't, but when she did, I remember how good it felt. Yeah. Like I just cried and was just all over the place about it. And she was just like, oh yeah. And it felt so cathartic. Yeah. I wish I would have had that. That sounds lovely. I do it for my kids and I'm almost jealous sometimes. I'm like, when, when nobody's empathizing with me. Yeah, it's so hot. Trust me, I am so jealous of my children sometimes. I still get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but I did. I definitely have experienced it. So yeah, it's pretty amazing. And it's so amazing though that you can recognize that your children, like you said that right away. And I was like, that's pretty awesome that you recognize it without ever having experienced that. Yeah, intuitive, I guess. Well, I guess too. It's. I think it makes it doubly hard, right, when you haven't experienced it, because then. A, you don't have this model. So I think a lot of people have a hard time because they haven't experienced empathy, so they don't know how to reproduce it. And I think that was me for sure. I did not know what empathy was. Like if you fell down, for sure, I was going to be empathic. But anything else, I was like, nope, uh-uh. we're, we're getting, we're picking ourselves up and we're dusting ourselves off and we're done with this. And so if we don't have the model, when we start doing it, I think I really faked it for a long time. I would be like, oh, yes, I really understand how you're feeling. <laughs> wow, we, I love hearing this. This is so interesting to me because people always ask me, like, what if I don't feel it? And what if yes. you, think you faked it? I did. And I had to because I was so deprived of empathy in my body for my children that I had to really fake it. And I did fake it. And I just kept saying it to myself. And I kept reading things that were empathic. And I kept studying conscious parenting. And, and finally realized it really was important. And I think when it happens to you once where you can empathize with a child and they get through and they feel better then okay, that's the drug. I want more of that. Yes. Bring that to me. Yes, I can do this now. And I think then you just create this new neural pathway in your head, even though you're faking it, you are creating the neural pathway when you do it right. And I think that's what happens to me. So if, you're, if anyone's out there and they're like, I can't do this, you can, if I can, you can for sure just fake it until you make it. And you know what your default is? Just listening. Are you looking for ways to parent without yelling or threatening? Do you crave to understand connection and how to use it in everyday practice with your children? Is remaining calm a challenge and staying away from shame hard? I can be helpful. I've been there and I've also helped so many parents overcome their parenting challenges with my one-on-one programs of either six, eight, or 10 weeks. We dive into what's specifically difficult in your own family and I tailor ways to help you remedy them using connection instead of conventional parenting methods. Go to www.peaceandparentingla.com forward slash private hyphen sessions and find out more about my private one-on-one courses. I'd love to see you there. Yes. You know, I often tell parents that I can tell you this information from here tomorrow, but it's when you experience it, that's when the shifts are going to happen. It's so true. Because I, even though I, my mother definitely was empathetic sometimes. And so I did a little bit have a model for that. But I still remember sometimes struggling with it or in certain situations. And I remember then just listening. And exactly, because I have that experience of like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. It worked. She just finished her feelings. It didn't become dramatic. We didn't go into a million different places that we didn't have to. Right. And yes. And then you're just right. That neural pathway, like and the reward of that is right. I think it really intensifies that pathway. Well, yeah, I think cortisol or something must be released in your body or some sort of 
happy drug is released in your body and you actually feel euphoric. I have before. And I think like you said, if you can get your clients there, then you're hooked on this exactly. whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's also something that you recognize. Like you said, you faked it, but then when you actually experience it, like, ooh, now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right? And maybe it's not yeah. faking it. Maybe that's practicing, right? Hmm, is it, I like is that. It, I'm practicing the words. I'm trying them on. I'm seeing how they feel. They don't feel quite right, but it's like the first time you shoot a basketball or like the first time you water ski or, or do something that's hard. It's, Drive a car. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. just practicing. You're just taking a baby step into it and it won't be perfect. And I know I spent many years trying to perfect it because it was not natural to me. And so if you're not doing it right, Hey, it's totally normal not to do it right. It will come. Just don't give up on it. Right. Yes. But don't give up on it. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love what you're saying here. Yeah. So what we were saying, what we ended off with is basically that advice is really important, but you were saying that with your daughter, even because I was saying, you know, sometimes you can ask, do you want this advice? You were saying that even if your child sort of seems like they want your advice, sometimes they're actually, it's yeah. really an emotional thing. Yeah. Right? Like they're still really expressing their emotions. Yeah. So you have to read your kid in the moment, right? It's not a, like a one size fits all in every situation, every child. So if you go in and you start problem solving with your child and they start to get feisty about it, then you think, hmm, ding, 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 go to empathy, go straight to empathy, reverse back to empathy, because this wasn't the right time to problem solve anything. And maybe two hours from now is the right time to problem solve or two days from now is the right time to problem solve. I think we all want to get it done or never right? Maybe this child doesn't need the problem solving. Maybe, and maybe they'll tell you if they do, right? Right. Yes. I love that. So I love that as a warning sign. I think that's really, really like, it's like ding, ding, ding. When the child's still feisty, I look at you. Yeah. When they're still really reactive, that's a sign like, no, problem solving is not the zone to go to. No, it's not. And yeah, I think problem solving is good in in the right way and the right time. And it led in just the perfect and not too much. Not, it's not problem solving. Like, here's what I think you should do. Yeah. <laughs> or like, right. Hey, what are our options? Collaborative problem solving is what I call it. Right. Problem solving does not mean you just lecture at your child. Yeah. This is what you're supposed to do right now. Right. That's advice. And that's really what we're talking about here is about yeah. giving advice. And lecture. I always tell my clients lecture is actually a punishment in reality, because all it is, is here, let me sit you down and tell you all the reasons you're wrong. So that's just, it's shame inducing. And so if we think of advice as just like a derivative of that, really, it's just like, it's one hair off of lecture. It can be just dependent. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It definitely can feel that way. I love that you said that about lecture. I wish you had helped me in my journey when I first started. So when I first started down this path, I stopped punishing and I stopped yes. rewarding but I would lecture. I thought that's what the thing was. I thought now I was just going to talk to my child because everybody said, we talk with our children. I didn't know what talking meant. I didn't know it meant more reflecting, more listening than talking actually. And so I would lecture and my child kept saying, stop. And she would, even one time she said, I'd rather you punish me than talk to me. And I couldn't understand what she was saying. So smart. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally one day, you know, I said, so what would you want me to do? She's like, don't tell me. I know what I did wrong. Why are you telling me? Stop telling me. Right. She's so right. And it's true. Like, just think about when we've done something wrong or we're not acting in the right way. We already know. And so do they. 
hundred percent. Yeah. I often tell his parents, I'm like, your children know what is wrong and right by the time they're probably like two or three. Sit a three-year-old down and say, is it right to lie? Is it right to steal? Are you allowed to hit your brother? They know the answer. Like it's not a lack of knowledge. They know. They've been watching us. They've been watching us since day one, do the right and wrong things and see cause and effect and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure we've said it more than 15 times at that point already. Yep. Right. And so it's so funny that we think that, oh, we just need to say it again. You know, that's not nice. Don't do that. How many yeah. times do you have to say it? No, you don't. You actually right. don't. You just model what you think is moral and they'll, they'll see it and glean that from us, I think, really. Yeah. yeah. And I also like to talk about this idea that our children have a conscience. All of us do. Right. They have yeah. like an internal feedback system, yes. as I call it, where when they I do like something that. wrong, it doesn't feel good. And then start lecturing and say, like, it's not right. And you didn't do that their energy gets focused on, oh my gosh, my parents are mad at me. Oh my gosh, I feel so much shame right now. And they can't access the, oh, that feels gross. I just did yeah. that. Yeah, right? that's so good. I love how you say that. Wait, what did you call it? I call it my internal compass, but what did you call oh, it? I call it an internal feedback system. Yeah, right. That's yeah. the whole thing. If you don't allow them the space to get there, they never learn the lesson. Yes, but it's so paradoxical because parents mm-hmm. think like, I need to teach them the lesson. I know. Right. Right. Yeah. We can be the coach and not the teacher. Exactly. Our job is to get them there, not to actually impose it. I always feel like too, when I'm quiet and calm and connected is when they get there. And when I'm upset and luxury and giving advice and doing all this stuff is when I rob them of those opportunities. A hundred percent. You know, my sister just told me that her child's friend lost something and she was at her house and she was freaking out. Oh my gosh, my mother's going to be so mad at me. My mother's going to be so upset at me. I lost this thing. And she said, not for a second could the child actually be upset about the fact that she lost it. Um, Right. She can only be upset that her mother's going to be upset. She couldn't even be right. And she's like, so there's no lesson learned there. She didn't even get to experience a natural consequence of losing something. mm -hmm. I love that example. It's such a good one because I can just picture it in my head right now. Right. So good. The kid is yeah. so obsessed with being in trouble yeah. that they don't realize that they actually lost something that meant something yeah. to them. Yeah, they can't feel how disappointing it is. You know, yeah. that's a real, when I lose something and I feel, oh, I can't believe I yeah. lost that. That then makes me be like, wait, I don't want this to happen again. And next time yeah. I'm in a situation, I'll be like, wait, I'm going to be careful. Yeah. I'm going to put this here so I don't lose it. We all learn that way. Yeah, so good. Oh, this is so good. Is there anything you want to add to our conversation? We veered a little, but well, it's all good, right? (laughs) Oh yeah. I veer all the time. I find that it's all just connected. (laughs) Right. Oh, you know what? I think the other thing too is kids naturally, not all kids and not all the time, but sometimes kids tend to want to do the opposite of what we say because they want their own control. They want their own autonomy. They don't want to be controlled. Right. And so if we offer advice, we might be pushing them away from the very thing that would help them. So because if you have a strong-willed kid or if you have a kid that's in a certain developmental stage where they're like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm myself, I'm finding myself, I'm feeling my oats, you know, then they might just totally throw that advice out the door without even thinking about it because they're like, nope, not doing what they're saying. Right. And by the way, speaking of, we thought we veered, but I, as soon as I said that, I was like, that goes right back to the internal feedback system. What I I just spoke about, because when I give that advice, now my child's like, I'm not going to do that because of my mother. So, right. It's all about not, what do I think about it? How do I feel about this? This is what I really want. It's only a direct reaction to my mother or my father, whatever it is. Right. 
And when a child can actually, when we just give them the space, they can actually access their own internal feedback system really about it. Like, how does this feel in my body? Do I want to do this? Is it, right? yeah. Rather than just being a reaction to my mother. And I think my one other thing I was just thinking too, is that parents might think, well, I didn't give them the advice. I didn't tell them what to do. And they did the wrong thing. Oh, good. And that is okay because the kids are going to do the wrong thing a lot. And that's how they figure out how to do the right thing is by doing the wrong thing enough where they're feeling their internal compass is now activated and they might activate that. They might lose something 10 times before they figure out how to not lose something or never like me. I always keep (laughs) losing it. But that's the thing. It's like, even if you parent this way, nothing's still going to be perfect. And that's totally okay because it's all a learning experience. And if we let them learn internally, they actually, it sticks with them as opposed to us just giving them the advice. Yeah. I love that you said that about making mistakes because so many times when I give parents advice, like let your child decide, say like, I trust you and let them, like, what if they make the wrong decision? I'm like, and so, so they will, right? Of course you can't do with things that are very unsafe or super dangerous. But if it's just everyday things, okay, fine. So then they'll just make the mistake. Yeah. That's how they learn. Didn't we all learn that way? Don't we all still make a ton of mistakes? Two things. If we don't allow for mistakes, then we're telling the kid we expect perfection. Ooh, yes. And so then therefore they're going to internalize this idea that they feel bad every time they make a mistake and they're going to go shame and they're going to be like me and go to a lifetime of perfection because Mm -hmm. I'm trying to stay away from the shame. And then if you keep controlling them or advising them or otherwise getting involved early on, they'll get to their older years and they will say, well, what should I do? And they won't have an internal compass because they haven't been given this you know, space to practice. Like I had a client who had a 16-year-old daughter and the 16-year-old daughter just kept coming to her every time something happens. Well, mom, what should I do? You have to tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. I, I can't possibly do it ah. because the daughter couldn't figure it out on her own because she had been controlled and led so much that she didn't trust herself. Yeah. And I think that that jumps to different points in my mind that, so yeah, we talk about the internal feedback system and we talk about the internal compass, but these things are not, meaning our children have the framework within their own body and minds to actually, for this to happen. But like you said, there needs to be practice for it really to be built. Children are not, are not born fully developed. These things are created over time and it's patterns, patterns and repetition, right? Being yeah. given an opportunity, that's so what good. really builds it. Yeah. So they have the potential to build it, but we can also kill that potential if we constantly step in or if we're not really allowing that to fully develop. Yeah, so good. That's so good. Yep. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we covered it all. If some whoever listens to this, this is really informative. If you can stick with us, this is very informative. Yeah, it's basically just an entire course. No, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> but really, I think that's such an important piece that we don't realize is I think that people think that, oh, when they're mature, they'll figure it out. Until yeah. they're mature, I have to help them. I have to keep yeah. helping them. I have to step in. When they're an adult, then they're old enough. But that's not how it works. If no. you haven't given them the opportunity to keep practicing until adulthood, Right. It's not like a given that these things will be built unless you give it an opportunity yeah. to be built. Yeah. So you know? good, Lemmy. So good. Yeah. So I actually have in high school, we were a bunch of us. All of us were raised in like mainstream homes with punishments and all that. And one friend actually was raised with a lot of respect and gentleness. Her mother just intuitively raised her that way. And it was so fascinating to watch all of us. It would come to a decision where we would all want to do some risky something, you know. Mm-hmm. And she was the only one who had such a developed internal feedback system, a moral compass, really. 
where she'd be like, guys, no, this doesn't feel right. I don't think we should do this. For most of us, we're just, our parents don't want us to do it. Let's do it. Yeah. No. <laughs> totally. Yeah, we couldn't, I couldn't even think about the consequences. I wasn't even going that far. It wasn't even, I noticed that she had a much more developed moral compass than all of us. And I saw it. It was so clear. And so yeah. Many well, that's the thing too. You didn't have one, neither did I, by the way, but we didn't have one. So we're just like, fine, balls to the wall. Like, let's, to make this happen, like may as well. I don't, I've never experienced any of this stuff. So I'm going to go bananas because I've never been allowed to, you know, do it on my own. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And I've never been allowed to feel it's like this really, really what yeah. I want. What do I yeah. believe about this? Instead of you're not allowed, you're not allowed. I can't, you know, can't let you. I'm the parent. I know better. Yeah. And so then you want to try it on. And that's the thing too, that I think let them try it on when they're seven, not yeah. 17, because what they're trying on at 17 is not what you want them to try to practice with. You want them to try to practice on the seven-year-old stuff. You know, like that's a better place to be practicing because the 17-year-old stuff is scary. Yeah, it's so true. It's so, so true. But all this takes so much letting go. I know, it's so hard. Like not giving advice, even this whole thing. It's so much letting go. I I think we have so much. We really just want to control the process. Because we're like, I can keep you safe and I can yeah. fix your things and I know how to solve this. And, we're you know, I just want to do that. Yeah. yeah. We're scared of letting go. We're scared of letting go of control. We're scared they're going to get hurt or they're going to experience something bad or life is going to throw them a curveball, but it's going to happen anyway. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's going to happen anyway, but. We all get there, hopefully. And whoever's listening to this, if you're not there, you can get there. Yeah, I want to send a message of hope because as I was listening to us speak, I was like, even though I think all of it is definitely true, but like this picture of like, you haven't helped them build it till now. And for a parent, especially if they have an older child, it can sound like, oh my God, you probably can speak to this better than I can. Oh my God, it's too late. I haven't helped them build it. Their moral compass is all messed up. They're, you know, yeah. So you you actually said when your kids are older, right? So it's interesting. So I have a, couple right now and they have a 16 year old son and a 14 year old son. And the mom said to me, well, he has all this college prep work to do. And he has this rowing class and he has all this stuff to do. And I was like, Oh, it's, it's a lot. And she was like, well, I need to tell him how he needs to get it done and what he needs to do. And how can I make sure that he gets it all done? And I was like, you're not going to make sure he gets it all done. And he might not get it all done, but that's okay because it's on him and he needs to figure it out on his own. And the other part is it too, if you intervene at that age and start to really control and give advice and whatever, you're really rupturing the relationship you have with them because they feel like you're nagging or you're telling them what to do or that the only conversations you have are about all these tasks that kids need to do. Mm, but, yeah. so, but it works. I've helped lots of teen parents of teens really try to start to let go. It's harder for the parents, really hard for the parents. But when they start to let go, I actually have another couple too. I'm working with those two teens and they started letting go. And within three weeks, they have more communication. They've got more interaction. They've got more connection. They've got more stuff going on. So it's not too late if your kid is 17 or 27 or even 30. It's not too late. You can form bonds and connections because you already have some of it there. You really do, even if you think you don't. And you can just build on that very easily with just connection and letting go a little bit. Correct. Yeah. 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 I so agree with you. I know coaches who work with parents whose kids are 40. Yeah. Like you said, that connection is always there. I love that you said that because I think like the biological parent child bond is very, is just something that's always there and you can always build on that. Yeah, absolutely. They want to be connected to us and we want to be connected to them. It's this, you have an internal desire to be close to your family. And so 
that's always there and you can always fix it. It's never too late. And if you have teens, find me, I will help you. <laughs> I am deep in it and I love helping parents of teens right now. It's like my passion. So awesome. I yeah. love that. Michelle, how old were your children when you started this? Three and six. Oh, so mine was four. Okay. So they were the youngest. Okay. They weren't yeah. The they were youngest at the time. I'm like, Oh, I started too late. Now I'm like, Oh my oh, God. Yeah, I have people reaching out to me like with also like three-year-olds, two-year-olds. No. Oh, it's too late. I'm like, what? No, no, no. Three and six. And the six-year-olds was the harder one. And she's totally come around and it's been lovely. And little kids respond to it so quickly that it's like such a joy to work with the parents of little kids because they really do respond so quickly and it's lovely. So Right. I love right. them too. Right. And it's probably a little harder with teams though, because they probably come around a little like cause a little slower. It just depends on the team, but yeah, it takes them a minute because they've been conditioned a certain way for 14, yeah. 15 yeah. years. And so right. it takes a little undoing. But it works. It does work, but it takes a little undoing. Right. Okay. So I wanted yeah. to end off, I wanted the parents to know, which I'm sure you also want parents to know that it's not too late. Whenever I share information, like my I hate, I, my fear is that parents will go into that, like shame, blame, and like, no. bad, like I've messed this all up and I can't do this. No. Anymore. And I was like the punisher. I sent my kids to timeout. I even spanked Esme once. I yelled, I screamed, I, you know, shamed, I belittled. I did everything that I say now don't not to do, but I've done it. So I understand. And it's not easy to go from one to the other, but you yeah. can do it. And you've done nothing wrong. You didn't know any better. And so we only know what we know. And if you find new information and it speaks to you, you can move in a different direction. Yeah, I really believe in that. Yeah. Human beings are capable of change and yeah. evolving and growing. Yeah. yeah. You were such a great guest. Let me thank you. Thank you. Can you tell everybody what your name means? Because it's so cute. Oh, thank you. It's actually a Yiddish name and it means flower. So yeah. cute. And it's blimmy mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know, which I... I was pronouncing it wrong, but it's such a beautiful name. So yeah, most people pronounce it wrong because it's not a familiar name. Like, no, but, but it's very phonetic. So we should all get with it here. Yeah. <laughs> so where yeah. can people find you if they're looking to find you? So really the best place to find me is on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. It's unconditional parenting. As you said, it's actually unconditional underscore parenting, but I'm sure you'll find it whatever you put in there. And I, I post daily and I have stories. And then of course I offer courses as well, but I post about all that on my Instagram page. And I'm also actually in the middle of creating a website right now, but that's not ready yet. So Yay. yeah. And I coach parents, of course, one-on-one as well. I love doing both. I really, like I said, I'm so passionate about this information. I can clearly see, I can go on and on and on. Thank you for the opportunity. I really loved having this conversation with you. It was so lovely. Thank you so much. I so very much appreciate it. Make sure you guys find her if you need to unconditional underscore parenting on Instagram and her posts are lovely. And I'm so glad you came. So thanks for joining us on the peace and parenting podcast. And we'll see you guys all next time. This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently to the untrained ear. Everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. 
but nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.